the co-founder and chief open source officer of a company called CodeFresh. And we are uh, the enterprise Argo company. We're the first commercial Argo company. Okay. Hello, everyone. So we are back with another episode of Cloud Air Talks. And as you can see, uh, we have today here the founder and like everyone's tourist uh, favorite from the Codefresh. If you have heard about Argo, anyone uh, talking about Argo, fighting about the Argo, uh, creating the content around the Argo, this is the guy. So I, I will not uh, take much time. Uh, thanks for joining today's talk. And if you have any questions, you can ping anytime in the uh, comments below. So yeah, Dan, you can go ahead and introduce yourself, like how you started this journey and what you are doing currently, what is the plans and initiatives you are doing or working on currently. Yeah, so uh, for those that don't know me, my name is Dan Garfield and I am the co-founder and chief open source officer of a company called CodeFresh. And we are uh, the enterprise Argo company. We're the first commercial Argo company. We started doing that uh, several years ago. We were, I myself am an Argo maintainer and um, spend a good chunk of my time working on that project and uh, primarily in Argo CD, but also Argo rollouts. Um, we've been a little less focused on Argo workflows lately, but uh, still, you know, still have an interest there as well. And um, so basically we, we've built an enterprise platform on top of Argo. We launched the first version of it, uh, I think three years ago and, um, had a lot of success with that. And, and so our, our users are typically, uh, people that have used Argo. It kind of goes both ways. Like we have people that are, Hey, I've just heard about doing GitOps. I just heard about doing Argo CD to, to manage my software delivery. So we have those people. And then we also have a lot of people who are like, Hey, I've got you know, hundred instances of Argo CD. I'm trying to figure out how to manage it more effectively. And those are our other kinds of users that come in are more the power users that um, have run into some of the the scale things that that we really help with. So that's kind of, uh, that's the company. We we started it about, uh, we launched it about seven years ago. And um, yeah, we made, we made a big bet very early on that we thought that Kubernetes was going to be the future. And uh, we've been very happy with that bet. That's that's been a good bet that we made, and uh, we've gone from there. Yeah, focusing on CI/CD software automation and basically just enabling companies to automate more of the software supply chain delivery process. Yeah, amazing. Like, but what? Like, what was your initial steps? And before Codefresh, like, what you were doing actually? Like, well, I would like to hear about that also. Uh, yeah, what you? So my my background, you know, I started off uh, programming as a kid. Um, my oh. my older brothers got me into it because they were running bulletin board systems, and that's that's the precursor to the internet you used to dial directly to people's computers and stuff. And so they were doing that, and it got me interested in how computers could connect to each other and networking, and um, started programming. And uh, then I've kind of always been doing it. Um, you know, in high school and college, I was always doing some programming projects and some server projects. And I went and studied, uh, I got, I, I did my um, Cisco networking, you know, training and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I thought that, um, I thought it was a, a cool superpower to have to be able to do this kind of stuff. But I never, I wasn't sure that it, it that it would fit for a necessarily career full time because I really liked writing. I really liked communicating. And so, um, I actually spent some time on the marketing side, uh, being kind of on technical marketing. And so 
Um, previous to CodeFresh, I was uh, head of enterprise marketing for a company called Atlassian, and they make Jira and Bitbucket and uh, Trello now, if you've ever used any of those tools. And, um, yeah. you know, as somebody that could write and communicate, but I was also technical, that was kind of my superpower was that I was also an engineer. And so I've always yeah. had engineering projects on the side and stuff. So you were the earliest developer relations person. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think I did. I, I didn't. I didn't necessarily think like I kind of had two sides, right? So like, oftentimes during the day, and this is you know previous to Atlassian, I would be working on kind of marketing projects and figuring out how to help companies be successful in their go to market. But I always had side business doing engineering consulting work, and so I'd get called, and they'd be like, "Hey." This website's been down for four hours. No one can fix it. And I would, you know, jump in and, and do these. Those are my favorite things were like doing emergency projects because it's like everything's broken. Like all you can do is fix it. You know what I mean? And uh, and that in some ways is is like the pressure is off because anything you pull off is going to be a miracle, you know, and um, you get better rates because you're you're solving uh, critical problems yeah. for somebody. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah, so I did a lot of that and... Um, I was lucky early on in my career that I was at a company where I was able to negotiate 20% time to work on whatever projects I wanted. So those were all engineering projects that I used to, uh, I built a bunch of different software at different companies to do uh, different things. And that gave me a lot of the grounding in software delivery that has really helped me now at CodeFresh where I spend a lot more time communicating about engineering than engineering. Um, though I still contribute to the Argo project every week. I'm on triage duty this week, so I'm doing all the issue triage. Yeah. But yeah, that's that helped a ton. Yeah, we saw that. <laughs> you are quite active around a lot of the things, and uh, there are a lot of things I want to ask. So, thanks for sharing that things. Uh, like, uh, how we started, like, you were earliest coder for sure, like, you were and, like coding as a kid. So, it is uh, only a few people came to this Cloud Dots, uh, which, which were like uh, coding for the as a kid or something. And then you were like, uh, in this project, like uh, Codefresh, right? So uh, it is from seven years. So how you, how being the journey till now, like it was exciting. It was a roller coaster. And how was it like, uh, because building the cloud native ecosystem project and then also the company. Uh, and also you can explain like what actually Argo, uh, Argo does and uh, what actually Codefresh does. Well, a lot of people have still out the doubts, right? I use Codefresh around, I guess, uh, around 2020, uh, three three years back, uh, I was just checking around how the Codefresh works, and uh, there was a lot of alternate. So I was using GitLab, Codefresh, and stuff. So right, that's how I use. So you can also share with our audience. Like after that, it has grown really well. Like this 2023. <laughs> yeah. So um, gosh, where to start? So with Codefresh, uh, my the uh, Raziel, who's our CEO. Uh, found me and he had this idea for um, the company and uh, how it was going to work and and what he wanted to do. And um, so I joined and we launched this company and we were really focused in, in the very beginning on CICD and pipelines. And that's still, I mean, CICD, if you think about it, like that encompasses what Argo CD is doing. And so that vision was there from the very beginning. And one of the things that we realized that I think was really important is that containers afforded us the ability to think about the entire software lifecycle in the context of a binary. So like in the old days, you know, maybe you ship a jar file 
but oftentimes it's it's not self-contained. There's a bunch of different components you need to manage. But now I can say, hey, look, I have a container image. This contains my code base, everything that I need to worry about for my application. Maybe I have a Helm chart that's an abstraction of multiple images or things like that. But by thinking about that image first, we were able to then not only optimize the building of those images, but then think about them within their entire life cycle. Um, so uh, we could optimize and give visibility into what was happening with those things. So something that we do with with Argo CD that I think is really interesting is we introduced the concept of a release timeline. So if you've ever used Argo CD, it shows you the current state of what's happening with your application. You can see all the components, um, but it doesn't necessarily tell you how that's changed over time. And so if you're dealing with like, hey, we had this regression that started, everything is syncing fine, everything's deployed fine, but this regression started at like 10 o'clock this morning, narrowing that down is difficult. Um, it's tricky to figure out what might have caused that. So with with CodeFresh, we have this release timeline. And so you can say, okay, show me what happened at 1030. Oh, these are the releases that happened at that time. And these were all of the images that were updated. And those images that were updated, you know, these are the commits that actually, the code that actually changed on those images. And here's here's the JIRA issues that are associated with those changes. And here's all this extra information. So now I can say, oh, at 1030, this is what changed. I know who worked on it. I know what tickets they were solving. I can see the code they were using. I can issue a rollback right from here, or I can and or I can uh, uh, basically point at and blame and understand which commits um, were involved in, in causing this issue. So that kind of visibility, what's interesting about it is that for software delivery, it's not necessarily the killer feature to be able to understand why something went wrong. The killer feature is the confidence that you get in deploying yeah. because you know that you're going to be able to track down issues rapidly. So people start deploying more frequently when they think that they can understand more quickly what's going on. So that's that's kind of where that comes from. And then tying that into um, you know, your CI/CD pipelines, that's, that's the other critical component because CI/CD is what's creating these images, right? You have a pipeline creating your image. That's tied to changes in Git. And then taking it forward in Argo CD, now I know every place that that code is deployed and I know everywhere it's been so I can trace it forward and backwards. And that gives me the visibility, the confidence to be able to deploy more frequently, enable onboarding teams more quickly. I mean, there's just a million benefits to software teams when you have that kind of end-to-end yeah. -end traceability. And uh, it's really hard to get otherwise. If you're just using like a you know Jenkins pipeline, you don't necessarily have ground truth about what's happening in production. Not not to knock against Jenkins by any means, but um, it's just not the attention of that tool. Yeah, actually. So, uh, like, you started this uh, this awesome product, like uh, Argo CD, right? Nah, but yeah, it is focusing on the continuous deployment. So people still doubt, like, it is just about CD. Or uh, uh, it's coming with the CI, it's coming with CD, or like, it has the GitOps use cases and all. So would you like to clear that? <laughs> Yeah, so we have all those components. Um, so CodeFresh has CI CD pipelines, image and artifact management, um, Helm boards for managing Helm charts, uh, Helm repository. So there's a lot of components to this platform. And then our Argo CD offering, obviously tracking our deployments and bringing together all of our instances. So if, if I have 50 instances or 200 instances, I can view them all in a single dashboard. So I'm not going and logging into different instances. And this is because we heard from developers saying, hey, you know, it doesn't, I don't have a hard time deploying Argo CD. I have a hard time getting 
the right team to the right instance to look at the right applications. And so that's something that we can do through the visuals, but it also manages Argo workflows and Argo events and Argo rollouts. Um, so you can manage those in a straightforward GitOps fashion using CodeFresh. And we found with Argo workflows that it's really effective for teams that are very Kubernetes native and they want to take advantage of a lot of the components of Kubernetes. Uh, but it's also, and it's especially effective for people that want to scale. So if you need access to like 100 GPUs in a pipeline, Argo Workflows is really the only game in town that can do that. So that's where it's been really effective. For simple CI/CD tasks where, hey, I just want to check out some code, build an image, oftentimes where Argo Workflows is overkill. So in that case, they use CodeFresh's um, CI/CD you know, engine that uh, now they could use either in CodeFresh, but um, we, have a, we have a kind of CI/CD engine that's, that's optimized for containers and uh, running builds and things like that. So it's, um, that's easier for a lot of people to use and pick up. Yeah, so well, one of the questions which like everyone from the audience would like to hear for sure, which is nothing but uh, if if someone has to create the cloud native cloud ecosystem kind of a project from the beginning, as well as they want to build the company like Corefresh, what you uh, what you will guide the point to like you notice know, in the current ma current industry, right? It is 2023. It is not like seven years back, right? Nowadays, the uh, cloud ecosystem is growing like anything. Previously, it was not that thing, right? So what do you recommend like in current, current? So I think the very first thing that I would try to do is try to find the first customer. Because when you, when you go to build something, you're going to have a lot of assumptions about how it's supposed to work. But those assumptions are just based on your own experience. And they're colored by your idea. And oftentimes people fall in love with their own idea. But their own idea it may or may not actually be effective for people. So if you find your first customer and maybe you, you can build for them for free and say, Hey, you know, we don't, we don't need, um, we don't need to follow my idea. What we need to do is build something that our end user loves and is giving them what they want. And so you really want to understand what it is that they want and then just try to build the simplest version of it that they can start getting value out of. And, um, you know, they may not be paying you for that first deal, but, the, the insight you're getting into how to effectively build software, that's huge. Uh, because if you can find a market fit, and lots of times people have ideas for stuff that are nice to have. Like, oh, I've got this great idea to build X and Y now because X is going to be a reference to a company. I've got this like, great idea to build Y and what does it do and, and why is it effective and why is it important? Well, it might have some clever ideas, but they may not be things that people are willing to pay for. They may just be things that are like, oh, that's cool. I wouldn't pay for it. That's neat, though. Um, so it needs to be something that they're willing to, you know, it's solving some critical problem. And it needs to be so good that people are willing to kind of crawl over barbed wire to get there. And uh, so I think if you don't, if you haven't found that fit yet, you know, keep focusing on solving, keep drilling down to find the, the, the problem that you can solve in the most effective way. And people will beat down your door to get there. And uh, they, 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 if they need it, you know, they're going to pay for it and they're going to be happy to use it. So I, I guess I would start with finding the customer and then building directly for them. Got it. And also, like, what do you think on the current tech, current tech and current industry? Like, they are talking a lot about, like, DevOps versus platform engineering. That, like, industry is coming with the new projects, like, was uh, EPPF technologies, right? So 
uh, where the industry is going, like, what is your take on this? <laughs> well, the, they're always, it's always a means to an end. So focus on the end first. Like Wasm or EBPF, you know, these are really cool tools that we have available to us. Uh, but they're only really cool insofar as they serve valuable functions. And so a lot of the things that people have been trying to do with service meshes for the last five years may actually be better accomplished via an EBBF module. Uh, and so it's like, okay, well, if I, if I already was solving a problem, but I can solve it twice as fast using EBPF instead, then great. But building something in one of these cloud native technologies just for the sake of building in the cloud native technology, you know, there's not a reason to do that. You know, you, you shouldn't do it just because the technology is there. You should do it because it's solving a real problem. I agree, I agree. And what about platform engineering versus DevOps? What is your take on that? <laughs> uh, well, platform engineering, I think, is is a little bit marketing-y speak. Um, it's like, it's like um, everybody has been trying to, you know, every company is trying to build a platform to deliver software. Like every company is trying to reinvent, uh, you know, those simple turnkey development yeah. platforms. Um, and I think it's a little bit of a distraction sometimes. Like if, if you're using something like Backstage to tie stuff together, that's really cool. That's good. But that often makes more sense from a management standpoint than it does from an individual standpoint. Does it actually move the needle for a developer sitting on the ground writing code? Or does it feel good as a vanity thing, uh, as leadership, to have this organization in place? So... Um, you know, you just want to make sure it's actually solving the problem. And I, and I think that platform engineering, I mean, it uses a lot of DevOps principles and it's just trying to make things turnkey. So I don't think it's bad per se. It's just, where are you focusing? Where's the biggest bang for your buck within your organization that you could focus on that you could implement? And I think that, um, lots of times people skip steps. Like most people don't do continuous deployment or continuous they don't do continuous deployment where they're just making a command that gets deployed. They're not usually the failure to get to that is actually way back in their CI process or it's in their approvals process. Um, so it's like the goal is to get is to get to easy software delivery. So focus on that. Then pick the right tool. If, if you need to do some platform engineering to get there, then by all means, then do it. But oftentimes, you know, just improving the pipeline process, the testing process, you know, the, the rollout process using a canary release or something like that is going to get you farther because people are going to have the confidence that they need to deploy. Um, so, you know, I think they're all good. All these are good tools to have good options. Just make sure you're picking, you know, focus your attention on it to give you the biggest bang for your buck. Yeah. I did. I can come to on that. So, uh, other than that, like, uh, for like our audience, like they are quite, uh, I have mixed audience, right? They are uh, students as well as professionals and some decision makers kind of thing, right? So like a lot of people are still confused about getting the CSF uh, communities and the cloud ecosystem. They, means they don't know like uh, where to start and how to, how to learn this technology. So what you will, uh, means like what you will like to share with them where can they get this technical education as well as where they can start the open source communication because it is tough, right? I mean, it's like, uh, 
doing the first commit in the open source, it is uh, various challenges to many of the pro. So, would you like to share on the same? Yeah, sorry. What? Yeah, ask ask that again. I wasn't. I didn't quite follow it. I'm sorry. Oh, so so I have like mixed audience, right? So some of the folks are still not aware about how to contribute to the cloud native ecosystem and how to get into the CFTF communities, how to do the first open source contribution into those because they use these projects per se until they get confused, right? So would you like to share on this? Yeah, okay. So for for a project like, and I think Argo CD is typical. I mean, I think every project is going to follow a similar pattern. With Argo CD, we have uh, every other week, we have these Argo contributor experience meetings where it's maintainers and it's an open forum. You can come in and you can say, hey, here's the issue I want to work on. You can get advice, add, you know, join the Slack channel, introduce yourselves and pick an issue to work on or say, hey, I'm looking for a good first issue to work on. Um, in Argo CD and in, in, in the other Argo projects, we actually mark a lot of issues as this is a good first issue. If you're just coming into this project, you can actually go into the issues and filter by good first issue. And you'll see these are issues that are easier to tackle than than other ones. And these are ones I could start on. Um, so that's that's like a definitely a very good kind of first step, introducing yourself and, uh, you know, making sure that first, hey, can I run this locally? Can I build it locally? Um, if, if I can do that, I can kind of figure out the developer workflow for this project. And if it's not clear to you or if it's not well documented, contact the maintainers because they're more than willing to help. Uh, we, have it, we have it pretty well documented now for Argo, but um, I know that, we have several maintainers who just jump into the Slack and say, hey, if you need help getting this running, I'll jump into a Zoom with you and get get, get it up and running with you and make sure that you can you can start you know building stuff. And um, that's a really great way to help. Um, documentation always needs help. So maybe, maybe you're not the most, maybe you're not the best software engineer. Maybe you can just help us out with some of the documentation and stuff. That's a great place to get started. Uh, making simple changes there. They, they're typically very easy PRs to deal with. So that helps a lot. Um, and then there's more than that. So like we run ArgoCon. That's a whole committee that uh, puts that project together. And if you wanted to be involved, you could go join our SIG marketing within Argo to start helping out with it. So we have all these different options to get started. Um, basically, the, the best thing you can do is just show up. If you show up, start soaking some of the stuff up, you'll find projects to work yeah. with. Yeah, you plus one to that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, thanks for mentioning the ArgoCon, right? Uh, so ArgoCon will be happening uh, very uh, recent now, right? In some month, right? So yeah, uh, it's with KubeCon. So it'll be uh, the day before. It'll be this the week of KubeCon. It'll be the one of the co-located events. Yeah. So one of the questions which uh, I would like to ask from you, like, uh, what was your goal to start the ArgoCon and how it's going today? Are you are you getting the uh, contributors uh, from the open source or it is like only the team from uh, Argo maintainers and uh, uh, or like maintainers and TOCs like that like that so are you are you looking for directly the new people outside from the open source communities or uh, like CNCF communities so like this audience can come and uh, join you right anytime oh yeah so, yeah no it's it's open for everybody so ArgoCon is really focused on end users so we try to highlight talks that are case studies, that are implementation guides, people that are doing interesting projects, leveraging Argo. And it's not just Argo CD, it's Argo workflows, it's Argo events, it's Argo rollouts. So it's anything within the Argo ecosystem. And of course, we'll have a lot of maintainers there and we'll have some sessions on 
you know, uh, contributing to the project and that kind of stuff. And a lot of that happens at KubeCon as well. So there's a lot of kind of contribution focused um, sessions during KubeCon. And we usually have uh, an Argo session that's focused on contribution there. Um, but uh, no, it's open to the public. When we first started ArgoCon, it was uh, during, you know, no travel time when people weren't traveling still. And so we did the first one virtual. And we had, I think, over 6,000 people participate in the very first one. So it was definitely very well received. Amazing. Yeah. And, Amazing. and our goal was just, let's start getting the community together. Let's get people swapping best practices, sharing their knowledge. Let's start building those connections so that people are making friends and they're figuring out better ways to do things. And we've continued that tradition in the last two years. Um, and now co-locating with KubeCon, there's just such a big overlap with the KubeCon community. So that definitely helps a lot uh, and people are able to to come and get both conferences done in one week. Aggregate, aggregate. So thanks for being back and as well as sharing to our audience. So uh, one of the uh, one of the question which uh, comes a lot to the folks is like, when the CI/CD comes into their DevOps life cycle, like uh, CI/CD is the one of the important part, right? But it's like people get stuck like where when to learn and where to getting started with the CI/CD. Because nowadays people are also confused about GitOps, right? So CI CD varieties and GitOps varieties in GitOps life cycle. Can you answer that? Uh, yeah. So GitOps, uh, I think that we've done a pretty good job on educating people about how that works. But we have a website. It's OpenGitOps.dev, where you can see the the GitOps principles. And that was the collaboration of about a hundred companies and. Um, and individuals working over the course of about a year to come up with these principles. And uh, the principles are pretty simple. I mean, understanding GitOps is actually very simple. If you understand the principles, you know what needs to be done, and you can measure your your software delivery process against this. And um, we, we have found that it's very effective. I mean, people that adopt GitOps deploy more frequently, they have less downtime, they have fewer regressions. So it is very effective in that way. Um, so with, with GitOps uh, versus DevOps, I mean, DevOps is this larger kind of, I think of it like this is the study of software delivery. That's what DevOps is. And so there's always going to be new principles, new guidelines, and things that we can learn from it. GitOps is a specific implementation of DevOps principles that that focuses entirely on how you manage the state of running systems. Um, so uh, they they're definitely closely related, uh, but I think GitOps is a is a specific implementation and subset of DevOps as kind of a field of study. And then within DevOps, you also have CI/CD, you know, pipelines. Uh, you have security practices. You have all these additional things as well that are all tied into GitOps, but um, they're all kind of part of one big story. Yeah, thanks for saying that and getting uh, the like putting light on the audience. Right, thanks for that. So uh, moving forward, uh, like I guess we are uh, good to good with the different questions. Like we have asked uh, everything which you would like. That's it. Do you have any anything which you would like to share with the audience? Uh, I mean, yeah, definitely. Yeah, if you're if you're new to this space, especially, or even if you're well practiced, um, CodeFresh does offer a GitOps certification, and it's at learning.codefresh.io. And this certification is not only the most popular, it is also the fastest growing GitOps certification on the planet. And it has labs, so it'll you, you can run it all in your browser and uh, it'll bootstrap Kubernetes clusters for you and you can learn how to deploy Argo CD. And it goes through the best practices of how to organize your repositories, how to set up the deployment patterns, uh, 
how to make use of sync hooks and sync windows. And um, we have two levels, uh, fundamentals and GitOps at scale. And they focus entirely on open source software and Argo CD and Argo rollout. So they'll do progressive delivery. So I definitely recommend checking that out if you haven't done it, learning.codefresh.io. Yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing that. I hope audience will uh, go and learn about the things. So I would definitely recommend the going and learning about the thing because previously also I have shared them with the resources of the service meshes and Selium uh, and as well as Kubernetes, which are the right right thing to go for the certification process, which are freely available, right? So same for the like uh, Rancher and stuff, right? So yeah, go ahead and do the certification. It is free of cost, and I have seen a lot of people uh, sharing sharing their certification on the LinkedIn. So yeah, definitely. Uh, thank, thanks for joining today, Dan. And I I really love to talk a lot with you at many times. So uh, yeah, like uh, we have uh, asked about this thing. So if uh, to the audience, uh, if you like today's talk, if you gain some insights from today's talk. Definitely consider connecting with the Dan and as well as taking out the code space as well as Argo project. It is definitely one of the things you should consider. If you have any doubts or something, you can comment down in between. So uh, thanks for joining today. Next time again for the next cloud of the podcast.